And the same is going to be when we're talking about beliefs, because we have very short memories. Housing prices don't always go up. Correct. I think we're pretty close to a peak at this point. Well, it's been 14 years since the last time people really got burned on this, and a lot of people don't remember that far back. Wow. Has it been that long? 2008 was 14 years ago. Wow. Well, builders historically, and I've been around way too long apparently because I've seen several of these cycles go through. Builders keep building even when the buyers start to fall off and we wind up with a surge in prices on the upside and then a surge in prices on the downside. We've had the upside, folks. Don't don't expect this to happen deal. tomorrow, by the way. This is this is a longer right. like three to five year type situation we're talking about. With a great deal of confidence, I can say there are going to be people who have bought houses recently or buy houses in the near future who, when they go to sell them, are going to have a very unpleasant shock. Agreed. I can say that with a great deal of confidence about and the future. Once more unto the breach, dear friend. Else fill up the wall with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach, starring Jake and Jeff McClure. Uh, today, we will talk about such things as dreary science and other exciting things like currency exchange. So stay tuned. NTFs? Can we talk about ETFs? We will also talk NFTs, about NFTs, NFTs, ETFs, non-fungible non tokens. Right, right. So we will talk about other acronyms that other people don't understand, and that should be exciting. But before we do, we have an extra exciting bit of information, and that is our disclosures. Mm. Uh, number one, this is the Personal Wealth Coach, a radio program. Right. A podcast, but also the name of an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. Really? Uh, I know. It sounds shocking, doesn't it? Right, it is. Um, the SEC doesn't say, you guys are cool at any point in any of our filings. Nor do they say, you guys are really horrible at any point in our, our filings. We're more proud about the second part than the first part. But they don't give us any kind of thumbs up because we're registered with them. They're just our regulator. Number two, this, uh, we're registered to give investment advice, but we don't do that on the air because in order to give fiduciary investment advice, we have to know you all. And while it has been said that we are our only audience, um, know thyself is difficult. So um, we can't give advice on the air unless we know all of you. And what's more, we still can't, even if we knew you all, unless we got a document from you all saying it was okay to share the advice with all the rest of you for your specific advice. So uh, we'll get those forms out to you immediately. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, we can. I've got another one. You go ahead. Go ahead. Since we're providing educational information and not investment advice on this radio program, this 19th day of March... 2022, we need to tell you that the information that we provide as educational information has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable, but we make no warranty or guarantee as to the accuracy or completeness of said information. 
And you have no idea how long it took me to be able to say that clearly. Well, you've been saying it clearly for so long, or at least clearly unclearly. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, right. And the last bit of information that we should give you, as riveting and interesting as the prior disclosures, is that we don't pay for this radio program. I'm shocked. Ah, it's horrible, horrible. Uh, they don't also pay us for this radio program. We've been doing this radio program since 1996 on KTEM 1400. Um, the podcast is a much more recent thing. Podcast was something you said in horror movies about people whose brains had been taken over. Uh, and now it has to do with um, things you stick in your ear and, and wander around glazed-eyed listening to something no one else can hear. Yes. You realize that There's 1996 was, was B.I.? It was uh, before... Internet. Well, it, the internet was there. We it just, was just people really, just didn't use it. Really, really, uh, I used it. I, I, I used it quite a bit at that point. It was just really? not a very extensive internet. It was a lot more extensive than anything we were used to. It was a lot better than a mm. dial-in bulletin board. Were which, we still in dial-in bulletin boards at that point? Not in '96. No. Um, I know it was the. SM before smartphones. Yes, it was definitely before smartphones. The smartphones revolution took place in 06 and 07. And, and now any dumb phones that you have are probably um, museum pieces. Museum pieces. Yes. Right. Um, yeah. So that, that is, uh, I think that was all of our disclosures, including that, I think so. that when Except we started, it was before smartphone and before most people had email addresses. I remember on the air explaining how to use an email program to a relatively young person calling in on how to email. You have to get the at symbol. That's hold shift two on your keyboard. I know that's mm -hmm. hard to find, but that thing comes in most email addresses. And we now will go to the markets. What do you have for us? Yes, let's go, go to, to the, the markets. markets. I would like to get some eggs and some bacon. This this little piggy went to market. Um, well, the stock market did its thing this last week, uh, which is actually, when you, when we say we talk about the stock market, we're actually talking about the behavior of a lot of people um, in peculiar ways. And as we wrote in the newsletter, with all the bad news that came out this last week about inflation and the Fed raising interest rates and a, an invasion of Ukraine that is crushing cities and destroying people and lots of articles, not lots, but significant articles in, in news media about the potential for nuclear war, you could have been forgiven easily. If you thought market's going to tank this week, this is going to be terrible. Interest rates are up. Price of oil is up. Actually, it was down, but it felt like it was up. Inflation is up. The Fed is tightening. Um, there's a war starting. Critical commodities that are that are used to run our economy are being cut off and dropping, and the price of them, like what was it? Nickel went up two thousand five hundred percent. Yes, but um, not the nickel that is part of our currency. Right. That's still five cents. Not 2,500 cents. Um, but the nickel that's used to make steel and lots of other stuff yes. went up 2,500%. Any 
rational person who thought the markets were rational would have concluded, looking at all that news, this is the week the market will crash. Uh, fortunately, for those of us in, who are invested in the market, it didn't. In fact, hang on to your seats if you haven't heard this before. The S&P 500 stock index, affectionately known to us as SPX, rose 6.16% this week. Not for the year, this week, which is about half of what the average rise over the last 40 years has been in the S&P 500 for a year. And did it one day. Or one week. In fact, well, in one, in one week, not one day, in one week. Uh, so it closed at 4463.12. And some time back, I mentioned it had crossed uh 4500 and you want to put a little marker on that um that was near its top and and on these round figures go by i put little markers there to give me some idea where in my mind so we're at 4463.12 why don't you put a marker on that one 4463.12 that way everybody can remember it's not a round number it yeah. doesn't work that we way we could just and memorize still- it it doesn't make a good headline but it's a really cool number just because it's a number right now last week we said that the stock market was officially in a correction because the S&P 500 was down over 10%. Well, it's not anymore. So we went into the correction and then we came right back out of the correction. We yeah. uncorrected. So we decorrected. decorrected. We uncorrected. We're now in an uncorrection. Um, it's still down 6.36% for the year. And since it peaked right at the beginning of the year, down about 6.36% from its top. It is up over 14% from a year ago. So there's no room for complaint here if if the market is up that much in that period of time. We also follow another market indicator, the CRSP mid-cap value index, which is smaller but not small stocks, companies, um, that are based on value rather than growth, uh, the price is. And it grew 4.14, it rose 4.14% this week, closed at 22, 2552.16. I have trouble getting that number right. Because it's, it's not only a round down number. Point, it's only down 1.74% this year. So the market is really not down very much from its peak at this point. Um, the other interesting things that went on, the yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury note, which we uh, follow pretty closely, rose 7.6% to 2.153%. Now, it was it has been way down in the last two years uh, to actually got down less than 1%. It's up to 2.153%. Now, that could be a little scary because if it rises a lot in the 30-year bond interest rate, doesn't rise a lot, then we can get an inverted yield curves. But the 30-year bond rate moved up to 2.427. So we still have a nice positive yield curve. Why is that important? Because negative yield curves have historically preceded recessions and markets falling. And we've got a positive yield curve. Uh, West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil. Well, obviously, with all the bad news out of Russia and all the other stuff going on, you would expect the price of oil and the fact that I'm reading that uh, Saudi Arabia doesn't like us anymore. It's all President Biden's fault. Um, so I read it in the Wall Street Journal. You'd expect the price of oil to go up, but it didn't. Price of oil fell 3.66%, ended at 
one zero. That's West Texas Intermediate. Well, one important factor here. Let me just throw this in here. We had a lot of questions over the last several weeks about when we talked about pre-invasion of Ukraine and then invasion of Ukraine, and and we had talked about oil's price being the the invasion being priced into it at about ninety five dollars a a barrel. Uh, it's a rough estimate, and it's generally priced in is generally a little bit lower than it would be after an invasion. When it jumped up to very briefly midday, up to about one hundred and thirty dollars a barrel, that was unreasonable. And now it's down around one hundred and five. That's you know we're going to see some more volatility there, obviously, but. This is something interesting to know. Uh, winter is ending in a couple of days, about three really? days. So that, those, the price volatility is still going to be there, but as temperatures get warmer, uh, expect that price to drop a bit because people use oil to heat themselves when it's cold and less oil to heat themselves when it's not cold. I know that's a hard concept, but uh, it is a true concept. <clears throat> There's... Um Oil is certainly a fascinating subject. Uh, it, it always is a fascinating subject, but it is when we look at the price of oil, there's big supply and demand numbers that are built into the price of oil, and those are fairly easy to understand. What's not easy to understand is all the other craziness that goes on. Yes. And the price the, of oil can go up or down. So nobody, I mean, nobody expected oil to trade a couple of years ago at a negative $35 a barrel, but it did. It did. And people and we talk I, about that with today are like, what? When was that? That didn't happen. I'm like, well, yes, yes, it did. There, mm-hmm. was a, there was a fight between Saudi Arabia and Russia and the frackers over oil in the very beginning of the pandemic when no one was driving and no one was making anything. And it caused it there to be too much oil around and not enough places to put it. And so people were paying other people to take the oil away rather than having them buy it from them. They were... And it's strange, here, I will pay you to remove this from my property. It became like a fallen tree in your yard rather than <laughs> something that uh, you would make lumber out of later. And we were asked, we have a, we have a listener question about what we think is going to happen with the price of oil. So we'll discuss that right now for a moment. It's going to go up and down. Yes. Or uh, down and up, as the case may be. This is across the board. If you own oil directly... You are probably a large corporation or a multi-billionaire uh, because buying the oil, you have to have a place to put it when you buy the oil directly. If you own oil or some factor of oil through another organization, you actually don't hold the oil in your on your Hand. property somewhere. It is not sitting in a vat, a barrel, a tank. Um, any, any or underground or bathtub, uh, hopefully, hopefully not in your bathtub. Right. Um, what you should know about this is that, um, it's volatile, extremely volatile. So if you're concentrating your assets in something that's volatile, just be prepared for it to be really bumpy. We generally tell people to get really well diversified and not try to choose which commodity is going to hit next because you don't. we don't have a whole lot of control over the weather and that affects commodities. We don't have a whole lot of control over 
what country goes to war with what country or how much oil the Saudis are pumping or how much oil any particular fracking company is pumping. So it is a general estimate, and some people can get really good at making those general estimates on what the demand for oil will be in a few months. The best in the world at that still make huge mistakes. Uh, if you doubt that, the best in the world at this sort of thing generally work for companies that buy a lot of oil, like airline companies, shipping companies. Um, and just do quick searches for Southwest uh, futures contract uh, blow up or uh, fill in any airline because they've all made massive errors at some point on their futures contract on what the oil will be. So if you're buying oil directly or indirectly, just know that there are other people that study this extremely thoroughly. You can still make money doing it. The risk involved is right off the charts. Um, you can go anywhere from $130 a barrel to negative $35 a barrel in a two-year period. There you go. And you can see wild fluctuations in a one-day period. Yes. And it's so one should, of the things. Before you say, should I sell it, you should ask yourself, why did I buy it? And if your reasons for buying it didn't include a reason for selling it, you need to relook at everything. A professional right. investor always knows why they would sell it before they buy it. And that's important. I mean, you, you don't buy lumber to make something without knowing why you would sell it. Uh, you, just being professional. Okay, back to the A news. little background on oil for just a second. We'll close it. Well, we can talk some more about commodities markets. But sure. the um, oil is down 15% from its top. At one point recently, it was down 20, which put it in a technically a bear market for oil. Um, but it's still up 39% this year and 71% from this time last year. And if you have trouble believing that huge fluctuation, just go to the gas pump and fill up your car. Um, don't fill up the car, fill up the tank. Yeah. If you fill up the or, car, it gets really stinky in there. Right. People get upset at you. You got to put it in the right receptacle. Right. So what's the price of oil going to do? I don't know. I can tell you that Interestingly enough, before the invasion of Ukraine, futures markets suggested that as summer came on, oil would be around, would be above $100 a barrel. We put that in the newsletter several weeks ago, I mean, way before the invasion of Ukraine. And it's a little above $100 a barrel right now. So oddly enough, despite the invasion of Ukraine and Russia's Oil supplies largely not making it out of the country right now, which we talked about last week, but it's happening. There's what's called a buyer strike going on in effect. A lot of companies don't want to buy Russian oil because they're not sure they'll get paid for it, and they're not sure they'll get paid in dollars for it. And if anybody finds out they're buying Russian oil, like the BP, which, which used to be British, British Petroleum, had a super tanker full of Russian oil that it bought at cut rate prices while it was in route. And it went to try to unload it. And basically the dock workers would not unload the oil. And BP said, okay, what we'll do is we'll take all our profits from this shipload of oil and we'll give it to Ukraine. And then, then they unloaded the, the ship. You, you know, the issue with getting 
the pumps on the tanker up the hill to the tanks on the mainland. Mm-hmm. It's a slippery slope. That's that's all I'm saying. Oh, oh I had to own, I had to groan at my uh, at my own self there. I want to announce here that Jake, who just made that non-joke, is a dad. I am a dad. He's a dad of small children, so he is authorized now to do dad jokes. Well, I used to do it without authorization before I was a dad. Just full disclosure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that is should be made clear, though. Um, right. The other aspect of why oil is not going higher in its prices is Russia's got a lot of big lockdowns going right now. And in essence, they are the number one buyer of Russian oil. China. You're talking about I'm China. Sorry, China. China, not Russia. We're talking Russia. China, somewhere. Russia, one of those countries. One of those know, they're countries. They're somewhere outside our borders. They have some problems. No, China has some pretty big outbreaks of COVID going on. Mm-hmm. Hong Kong is right off the charts. It's experiencing a higher outbreak than was experienced in any other major city anywhere in the world at any time during COVID. So just keep that in mind. There are massive lockdowns across China. We talked about this last week and saying, and before the the Ukrainian invasion, I see that as a larger threat to the U.S. economy and the world economy than what's Mm -hmm. going on between Ukraine and Russia. Although that's a big threat, looking at what's happening in China, that's bigger. There are already tech companies that are announcing that they are not going to have parts uh, at some point in the near future and that they're going to have to start uh, doing what we've we did earlier in the pandemic of just saying nope, sorry, we don't have it. Uh, pay extra <laughs> for for that which we don't have, which has practical applications in your lives. Anyone who's listening, the bout of inflation that we're going through, which was widely predicted to have to peak about this month, uh, based on the information that was available earlier, probably won't peak this month. It will continue to rise, and the reason it will continue to rise for a while is because of two major issues. Uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which is cutting off certain critical commodities, and it's going to take us probably a year or two to find alternative sources for those commodities. And when I talk about commodities, we're talking about wheat and corn. Nickel, cobalt, uh, a lot of uh, uh, palladium, palladium, some rare earth stuff. uh, Critical stuff that we use in manufacture and we use to eat. Um, both of which are pretty important things. But don't eat the neon, though. That's, that's and the other factor is China is by and large not particularly well vaccinated. That's a b. Uh, the vaccine they used was the Chinese vaccine, which doesn't work you're, very well against. You're Omicron. just being redundant here. Those that were vaccinated were not particularly well vaccinated, and those that weren't vaccinated were certainly not particularly well vaccinated. So they're not particularly and well vaccinated. Omicron appears to be loose in China. They're doing massive shutdowns of cities. Jake mentioned. What does that mean to you? That means a lot of components for things we manufacture in the United States and a lot of things you buy on the open market in the United States, our Chinese manufacturing is critical to that. And if the Chinese shut down, it will cause the price of those things to go up. I know Jake just said that, but... But you, you're being, we're, we're being repetitive and redundant. Yeah. We're economists. And I, but I think it's important you recognize this is likely to happen. It's likely to slow things down. 
Uh, it is complicated. It is not fun, but get used to it because it's reality. And again, don't blame whichever party you're in. You could make up a story to blame the other party for it in the political world of the United States. In fact, neither party had anything to do with Chinese having the Chinese having a COVID outbreak, nor with Russia invading Ukraine. So one of the things it's probably a good idea to do at this point is just kind of grin and bear it and let's not fight each other over it because we didn't cause it. But that's never prevented us from fighting each other before. How long has it been since you've had um, your own children running around your house fighting with each other over whether or not the toy in the hand of the person playing with it should be in that hand or in another hand? Well, we're all still those kids. We we really are. So let's fight over yeah. something. Can can we have an argument for no particular reason? Let's just all get together and not like the Russian invasion of Ukraine. That would be nice. Yeah, let's do okay. that. Let's. We, I and think let's we can all, all agree get on together that. and not support our enemies. I I, okay. I think I can agree on that as well. Okay. Well, well then we sh- we should all be very happy. No, we're not. I noticed that I uh, just had to argue. President Zelensky addressed Congress. Zelensky. He got a stand. Zelensky. I'm sorry. Zelensky addressed Congress in his T-shirt which obviously ticks some people off because he's wearing a T-shirt, which seems absurd to me. I mean, he's in a war zone. He's living in his office in a war zone. I mean, give him a break. Um, He's not working. He's remote living. (laughs) Well, he's someplace. He's not remote working, though. He is working on site. So so the, oh yeah, he got a standing Standing ovation. And they're, I didn't notice, there was no notation, at least in the news media, that some people were protesting it. So uh, we can agree on something finally. Well, most of us. I think there's a, the, the legislation that passed the House uh, remove, to remove most favored nation status for trade from Russia did have eight dissenting votes. Yes. Eight people think Russia's cool and we shouldn't stop trading with them. But this is the United States, and they have the right to say that. They do. They got elected yeah. to, to vote their conscience, and some people's consciences are different than others. Jiminy Cricket. Oh, sorry, Jiminy another. Cricket? Yeah, that's conscience for Pinocchio, right? So just throwing oh. out weird dad jokes. Yeah. yeah there's, th- this has been an extremely economic news heavy week. Most people haven't seen anything about it because the headlines are about war and so on, uh, which is important headlines. They should be taking the front page. Uh, but Federal Reserve <laughs> raising interest rates, saying they expect uh, another six quarter point rises uh, coming up. That uh, consensus looks like we're going to be right around 1.8 or so percent on the short term stuff by the end of the year. That's big news. What does that mean? Mortgage prices are going to go up. It means interest rates are going up on houses. That's going to affect the housing market. Interest rates are going up on car purchases. That's going to affect the car market. Is it going to have more of an effect than a lot of people wanting to buy cars and houses? Probably not. We'll probably see an upward movement still because our supply is limited on houses and in cars. However, however, when the supply is no longer limited... (laughs) We just broke a couple of records this last couple of weeks in new housing start applications. Right. So, 
and here in Salado, where we are, um, I'm on the Planning and Zoning Commission, and on Tuesday, we're going to be asked to approve another subdivision with lots and lots of houses on them in it in little lots, which is going on all over. If you drive to the airport in Austin and drive back, you see lots of houses being built. They're all going to hit the market, and interest rates are going to be up. And folks, contrary to popular belief, because we have very short memories, housing prices don't always go up. Correct. I think we're pretty close to a peak at this point. Well, it's been 14 years since the last time people really got burned and on this, and a lot of people don't remember that far back. Wow. Has it been that long? 2008 was 14 years ago. Wow. Well, builders historically, and I've been around way too long apparently because I've seen several of these cycles go through. Builders keep building even when the buyers start to fall off and we wind up with a surge in prices on the upside and then a surge in prices on the downside. We've had the upside, folks. Don't don't expect this to happen deal. tomorrow, by the way. This is this is a longer, right. like three to five year type situation we're talking about. With a great deal of confidence, I can say there are going to be people who have bought houses recently or buy houses in the near future who, when they go to sell them, are going to have a very unpleasant shock. Agreed. I can say that with a great deal of confidence about and, the future. And the same is going to be when we're talking about cars, when we're talking about software, when we're talking about devices. The prices should not continue to con to skyrocket as they have been. We're, I mean, we're talking interest rates at the same time, but we're bringing supply chains back here. We've got chip manufacturing. Uh, the money that we spent on chip manufacturing in the last two years inside the United States, not external factories, is just completely off the charts compared to any other two-year period ever. Uh, we're, we're talking about uh, an expansion of our ability to make chips that is just right off the charts, which means that we're not going to have the kind of shortages that we have been seeing in cars and in electronic devices. Just know that's coming as well. Interest rates going up have tend to have a downward pressure on automobile markets and on real estate markets. And once that supply, the lack of supply gets replaced by a glut in supply, we should see prices drop drastically. Now, in the meantime, we've got to deal with higher prices. They're going to be there for a while. And if we get the more lockdowns in China, Car prices are going to continue up there for a while. Do you want you have some stuff to wrap up? Well, the United States economy, and this is hard with all the bad news and all the scary stuff going on. The United States economy is running at a impressive speed with impressive momentum and plenty of fuel left in the tank in the forms of liquidity and cash to keep running for some time. The Federal Reserve has stated they're going to shift into neutral. Right now, they're still in stimulative mode and will be probably the rest of this year as they gradually increase interest rates. They're going to start shrinking their balance sheet, which should start to pull money out of the economy. Expect higher inflation for the next several months, not because of anything the Federal Reserve has done or is doing or be, that Congress has done or is doing but because we have a world situation with a pandemic that's about probably about to hit China like a sledgehammer. Uh, we don't know that, but it could happen easily. And this little event going on in Eastern Europe. Um, 
But the United States economy is running very, very well. There's external issues going on, and we're going to continue to monitor that. Uh, right now, they're, the leading economic indicators, I don't know if we even mentioned that, are up again. They were up last month. Um, so the six-month rise in economic indicators, and that's the important one, uh, are telling us that the next six to 18 months, uh, we are very unlikely to have a recession. So we are in good shape economically in the United States. The world situation is not so pleasant. Um, and there's a balance between the two. Yeah. That's kind of the summary. Exactly. Stock market went up over 6% this last week, which is quite impressive. It's still down about 6% for the year. But everything still we're up 14% for 12 months. Uh, things look generally quite good internally, and we're riding through it nicely. But there are events that could upset the apple cart. Yeah. Uh, oil prices are probably going to be high for a while. Gas prices are going to be high for a while. Just keep that in mind. Uh, that's not enough to knock us down, but it is definitely a sting. Other prices, we're going to see inflation continue at its point uh, until we get China out of COVID lockdown and until we get uh, supply chain back here, and then we expect prices to drop. And if we look at history, right after World War II is the last time we had this kind of crazy unemployment spike because everybody left the military, lots of innovation, a lot of demand and not enough places to get the things that they're demanding. So prices went way up. And then an educated workforce hit and production went up and prices dropped and we had deflation for a while. So that's kind of what we expect to see in, the, in about a year to two years is we should start to see prices dropping on a lot of areas and the Federal Reserve is going to need to be pretty nimble there. Uh, and we're about out of time this week. Good news across the board, except for all the bad news. Hmm. Democracy's the the worst of all governments out there, except for all the others. Yeah. So like that. Sounds sounds like a winner to me. And this is the Personal Wealth Coach, and we are also uh, SEC Registered Investment Advisors. We manage portfolios for people who are independently wealthy generally. And you can contact us off the air. We have voicemail on the weekends, live people during the week at 254-947-1111 or toll-free 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can go to the webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com. Sign up for our newsletter there. Contact us through the contact form. Our radio programs are listed there going back lots of time. We've got podcasts out there. Until next week, this has been the personal wealth coach.